episode 108, Spreading Happiness. Welcome to Gratitude Geek, the relationship marketing podcast, helping micropreneurs find your micro-influencer magic. I'm your host, Candice Rodardi, and this week, I'm joined by John and Mark X. Cronin. John and Mark are the father-son team that founded John's Crazy Socks, a social enterprise with a mission to spread happiness. John is an entrepreneur and Special Olympic athlete who just happens to have Down syndrome. With more than 4,000 offerings, John's Crazy Socks is the world's largest sock store. More than half their employees have a differing ability and giving back is baked into everything they do. They commit to creating personal experiences for their customers, so every package includes a thank you note from John and some candy. John and Mark have been named Ernst & Young Entrepreneurs of the Year, and their advocacy work has seen them testify twice before the U.S. Congress and speak at the United Nations. Welcome, John and Mark. We are excited to be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I have been excited to have this interview all day because your sock store is amazing. So before I start fangirling all over your socks, let's hear your unique story. How did you start your business? How did you get to where you where you are today? Well, uh, uh, well, um, I, 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 I just start a DNA. Uh, I just start a content. Um, well. Yes, John is right. You know, origin stories matter because yes. they give us our DNA. So our story, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary. So a little more than five years ago, in a small log like cabin the, in the, the woods. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> our story starts in, in suburban Long Island, outside of New York City, in a town called Huntington. And where were you then in, in the fall of 2016? I, I was in Huntington uh, High School. I was going to be, be my last year of school. So John had entered his last year of school. It, uh, if you have a disability, and Down syndrome is considered a disability, anywhere in the U.S., you can stay in the school system until you either graduate or turn 21. It's often known as the 21-year-old cliff. Because when you're in school, everything's right there in front of you. But once you leave, you're on your own, and that can be challenging. So John is trying to figure out what's he going to do next, and what were you looking at? I, I look, I look at uh, school program and uh, at, at work. I don't know if I'm like. He didn't say anything he liked, and that's an unfortunate reality for people with different abilities. I mean, for starters, the unemployment rate is double the national average, right. but that doesn't tell the real story. Fewer than one in five people with a disability are employed. Um, but here's the good thing, Candace. John here is a natural entrepreneur. Yes, I am. So if you didn't see something you like, what were you going to do? I, I said, I want to create one. I want to make one. And what did you tell me? I said, I want to go into a business with my dad. I want to have a nice Father and son been together. Now, I'm a very lucky man. I've got three sons. John is the youngest. And this is one I can work with. So, so here we are. And, we, you know, we'll share a little humor. There's always humor along the way. You work with a lot of entrepreneurs. So you know the, you know the beast. You know the nature. 
you know, one of the good things is entrepreneurs, we all have a lot of ideas. And, and some of them are actually good ideas. Uh, not all of them, though. So we had to figure out what we're going to do. What was one of your ideas? Uh, while I'm in a food truck, I come an idea from the movie uh, um, Chef and John, John Farrow, the movie about a father-son budding a food truck. So a food truck sounds like a fun idea. You can imagine this, Candace. You know, you start thinking, what could we make? Where would we sell? But we ran into a problem. We can't cook. Yeah, we can't So <laughs> it wasn't going to be a food truck. But then... Right before Thanksgiving, John had his eureka moment. I did. I want to sell crazy socks. Why socks? It's fun. It's creative. And I'll always let me beat me. I want crazy socks my whole life. We used to drive around looking for these crazy socks. So we figured if John loved them that much, I, I, I really I do. Too, right? right. That we could find a tribe. And at that point, we went the lean startup route. We didn't develop a detailed business plan. It was, let's get something up and running and see how people respond. So John already had the name. I got a name. I tried a website. Right. We built a store on the Shopify platform. We got a little bit of inventory. We're bootstrapping. So you got to make do with what you have. The only marketing we did was to set up a Facebook page. I would take out my cell phone. And we made videos. And who was in those videos? I am. I'm talking about socks. Socks, socks, more socks. And we noticed something. Those videos started getting shared. And what day did we open? We opened on Friday, December 9th, 2016. We didn't know what to expect. Right. But we were very fortunate. We got a flood of orders that first day. We received 42 orders. And... Most of them were local in the town in near Huntington. What did we decide to do with those orders? Our home delivery. So we got red boxes. We put the socks in the box and we looked at it. So they need something else. I would play a dig in there for me and, and um, um, candy or Hershey Kisses. John, John did handwritten thank you notes. We got bags yes. of Hershey's Kisses, you know, filled up the boxes, loaded up the car, and drove around. And you knocked on doors. I did. We'd be out sometimes at 10.30 at night. And John is there. Just John with your socks. Don't shoot me. <laughs> and the customers respond. A customer loves it. And they took a photo to take a pictures. I pushing on social media. I went again express. We had customers reordering just to get John to come back to their house. But, but there are important things here. One, we needed to, this to work as a business. So we had to see that there could be financial success. In it. And we learned, one, that people they I, want to oh, buy a People want to buy Two, people want to buy a from me. They wanted to buy from John. They related to John. They liked the personal touch. They liked the fact we had pledged 5% of our earnings to the Special Olympics. Uh, there was something that surprised us. We got a very emotional response from people who saw John as an inspiration because they knew somebody with Down syndrome or they had somebody in their family with autism. And the other thing, um, and your listeners, you know, they're solo entrepreneurs, they know this. You learn by doing. 
So we went out, and by doing, we learned that this young man. A different old man. This old man. We could sell socks. Okay, I'll wait. Yes, I know. I'm old. Um, but that's, you know, it was born out of necessity. It was born out of an ethic that said, we'll just get something up and going. Let's you know, put on a show. You know, it's still an ethic that works with us today. Ready, fire, aim. Don't overthink it. Let's get going. So you have said all of my favorite things. Ready, fire, aim is my theory in life. Uh, I was an archery instructor for years and you really cannot, you don't, you aren't going to know if you're on, if you're going to hit the target, if you don't fire a bow, right? It's not like, a, it's not like other weapons where you have a sight and, and all that your body changes from, from day to day and your strength may be different than it was the day before. So you're not going to know if you're going to hit that target correctly until you fire. So I have always had the theory, you got to fire and then adjust, keep adjusting your aim until you hit it. Yes. All the time. Right. So, so that, that I love that. And the other thing I love is the thank you cards because I just think that thank you cards are an, uh, a habit that we have lost as a society and we need to get back to. So John, I love that you're sending those thank you cards. Now this, you started this business in 2016 and you were just coming out of high school. So I'm going to assume that you're around 21 then. So that means that you're an eligible bachelor. How eligible are you? You got a girlfriend? I do. I have a girlfriend. Yes. Ugh. He's got a girlfriend, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's an on-again, off-again relationship. So you got to check <laughs> in. But if she finds him with another woman, there'll be hell to pay. You know that there are lots of girls out there who want, who want to know more about John. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I well, it. it turns out, you know, some guys, they learn to play the guitar. <laughs> they learn to play the guitar to beat women. John, he started a sock store. <laughs> I, so I, um, I'm going to fangirl all over your socks. There, you, there are 4,000 different types of socks on the website, and they're all silly. Yeah, it's crazy socks, right? And they're all, I mean, you've got men's, you've got women's, you've got wide calf for women's, which is what I need because, you know, I socks just fall down. I, you know, they don't, I have wide calves. Even when I'm thin, I had wide, wide calves. So um, I was excited when I saw that you've got all different shapes and sizes and different personality types. And, you know, you're, you've got dinosaur socks and heart socks. <laughs> it's just, so, it's so much fun. I couldn't decide what I wanted. <laughs> Because well, I was going to place an order this morning, this today. I was like on the on the socks, like going, okay, those are cute. Those are, oh my gosh, how am I going to choose which socks I want to order? So, that, so that's part of the idea, right? John loves it so much, and and we have been advised by very smart people. You have too many skews. You got to have fewer. But it misses the point. You know, in a lot of businesses, the 80-20 rule applies. 20% of your products bring 80% of your revenue. That's not what we see. Ours is evenly distributed because we have this long trail that people get to personalize. You know, if if you like dinosaurs, we got plenty of dinosaur socks. But, but if you're into computer, we got Tesla socks and circuit board socks. It's, you know, find who you are. A little something for everyone. 
So in my previous life, before, before I was doing this, before my husband and I launched our, our internet-based business in, in the year 1999, before all of that happened, I was a buyer for a chain of ski shops. And our, our 30 ski shops did, I don't even know the number, but I probably between one and $2 million a year in sales in just socks, in just wow. socks, because they're a necessity but why wouldn't you want to have a fun sock? I mean, why wouldn't you want that? That why wouldn't you, if you got to look at your feet? So why wouldn't you want to have fun? I want to talk about your Monday Madness mystery bags because it is a genius marketing idea. Not only does it help with your I have too many SKUs in my in my inventory, but it's a doorbuster, and doorbusters they attract people. They, they, you know, low level, low cost to entry, they fall in love with the product and then they come back for more. And I'm, I'm sure you have people who buy your Monday mystery bags every month. So talk about that idea and what's in it and, you know, all this, this the scoop behind it, because it's such a good marketing lesson. So, uh, I mean, this will give you a clue into where we're at. It's the summer of 2017. So we've had a a surprisingly big first spring because uh, we had some viral events. But now we hit the summer and find out nobody buys socks in the summer. And I'm running out of money. I'm borrowing money to pay payroll and I'm sitting on this inventory. And what do you do? Well, here's an idea. We could do some sort of grab bag or, or something. But we're not just going to do that. We're going to have some fun. So we came up with the idea of the Monday Madness Mystery Bag. It's only available on Mondays. John goes and picks out socks and we put them in the bag. You don't know what you're going to get, but we guarantee it'll be fun. Um, and we dress it up, we put other things, and yes, we get loyal customers who just love it. And we do lots of kind of mystery and fun stuff like that. It's all risk-free. Because we guarantee everything. Well, the fun thing about that is you, you don't have to decide. I mean, my problem is I can't decide what socks I want. <laughs> I know I'm going to order because I just had so much fun on your website. But, and it's true. Spreading happiness is your thing. That's what you do. And it's true. I was happy when I was looking on your website. I was. It made me happy. So okay. you've done a really good job of curating. Uh, I do want to go go back to John because, you know, it's all about John, right? He's a micro influencer and he has magic. And the, the, my, my thing is I like to teach people how to become micro influencers. And I'm, what a micro influencer is, it's somebody who has an influence over a small group of people. That small group of people could be 12, it could be 1200, but it's, you know, you, people love you and they trust you and they know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And so John, you are like the ultimate micro influencer fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> trouble. You're trouble. And you Fan girl. All right. I want to hear about this testifying before Congress and speaking at the United Nations. Holy moly. Please tell me how that happened. Okay. Well, you have to put it in some context. You mentioned earlier, which is so you know, social enterprise, a business with both a social and a business purpose. Yes, everything comes down to spreading happiness, but a big portion of that is showing what's possible. 
and that we're talking about showing what entrepreneurs can do, but more specifically, showing what people with different abilities can do. So you know, John has Down syndrome, he's the face of the business. More than half our employees have a different ability. It's not enough for us to just hire people who want to show the world. So we take our processes and turn that into content and share that on our social media. We host tours from schools and social service agencies, work groups from them. We do speaking engagements. So before the pandemic, we crisscrossed Canada, the US, Mexico. Now online, we've spoken around the world. All in this purpose. Well, advocacy is part of that. Um, we work with some critical advocacy groups, including the National Down Syndrome Society. But what happens is by building up this business and sharing what we do, we've created a platform that gets us attention. And then that becomes, it, it creates both an opportunity, but an obligation to use it. So we got invited to testify before the, the House uh, Small Business Committee on uh, hiring people with different abilities. We go down and there was the executive director, two, two CEOs, executive directors of national uh, advocacy groups, the CEO of some employment business, John and me. Well, the first thing that's striking there is John was the only person testifying who had a different ability. Guess who was the star of the show? John blew him away. Huh? After somebody heard us there, they asked us to come and testify before something else with Congress because they liked what they heard and saw the performance. And what happens is, and, and you've seen this, I'm sure, in advising people in your business, the more speaking you do, the more speaking engagements you're going to get. The more, you know, so we're out there. And that led to the U.S. State Department contacting us and asking us if we would join their speakers bureau. And they sent us on speaking tours. Um, but it, you get these opportunities and you have to make use of them. And, and I'll, you know, Clearly testifying before Congress is that. And you know, for a personal moment, to be sitting there with my son and looking around and thinking, oh my gosh, look where we are, look what we're getting to do, was so awesome. Um, but here's another example of it. Um, we were down on Capitol Hill meeting with some legislators. We had shared that on our um, social media, and we got a call from a customer in Houston saying, you know, my mom is a big fan of John's and would like to meet John, and she works on Capitol Hill. Is there any way they could work, you know, they could meet? So our colleague said, sure, here's Mark's cell phone number. Just text him your mom's name and contact information. Well, who was mom? Nancy Pelosi. So we now get a meeting with Nancy Pelosi. And in, in this day and age, United States, 
we tend to vilify our elected officials. I don't care what political stripe you are. The guy on the other side, you turn into a monster. We forget that they're people. So put all the politics aside. Nancy Pelosi is an 80-year-old Italian grandmother who couldn't have been nicer and warmer at greeting John. And she took out pictures of socks that she had given to former President George H.W. Bush because John had become sock buddies with the former president. And so now we get this session and we're hugging and taking pictures, right? It was great. Right. But remember now, that creates an opportunity which puts an obligation on us. And we're bulldogs. So we have this and then it's like, but Ms. Pelosi, we have to talk to you about eliminating the sub-minimum wage that allows up to 400,000 people in this country with a disability to be paid as little as five cents an hour. You know, if you get that opportunity, you have to make use of it. Um, does this make sense? It does make sense. And I, I didn't realize it was five cents an hour. Many of our colleagues can only work a limited number of hours because if they work too many hours, they lose their benefits. Exactly. And we're forcing people to choose between their benefits and work and nobody gets, that's not good for anybody. So we're banging that drum all the time. Exactly. Unfortunately, everybody we speak to, Republican, Democrat, up to, up to, upside down, anywhere they end, everybody agrees. Everybody says, oh, that's terrible. And nobody's doing a damn thing about it. But It's an easy fix. But it's a it, it's a fix that most Americans don't want to hear. Yeah, they, we just went through a two year social experiment and we discovered that, you know what, when the government picks up the tab on certain medical expenses, it kind of works. Yes. And, but, you know, but people don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear right, that. But it's, it's, an, uh, it's an easy solution. Uh, but that's my opinion. <laughs> Everybody gets entitled to, do, to their own opinion. The other thing we, I love about that story is that Nancy Pelosi and George H.W. They had an exchange of pictures of socks. Yes. They got, you know, they had a discourse about something that wasn't politics. It was something fun, and and we forget that they're humans. We do forget we, that they're humans, and we're we're losing some of that. But in fact, we made unity socks that we have given to every member of Congress to say, listen, people, we have more in common than we do that separate us. And let's talk. That, that's all it is. Um, you know, the world has changed a lot. If you read Lyndon, uh, well, the Robert Carroll biographies of Lyndon Johnson, he used to load the family up in a station wagon and come to Washington. They would stay there. Well, the families all work together. So you might politically disagree, but at night, you're playing cards together. You're playing golf. You're playing gin. The family's associated. You had all this social lubricant. So you knew you were people. I, I share an anecdote of back in 2009, I helped organize in our town an effort to revise the town charter. And we had this very odd coalition. We had Tea Party people and we had Obama progressives. And we would meet. We, at that time, we lived in this big old house. So we'd have 30, 40 people with, over there, breaking bread and working together. And I would laugh because the year before, those same people stood on opposite street corners, screaming at each other. 
And here they were finding they had something in common, they could all get along, and it was some common purpose they could work on. And we forget these things. You know, if we isolate, it's too easy to vilify. Um, and, and to a degree, it's too easy to forget what government can do. You, you asked about um, President Bush, uh, Bush the elder. So that got started, John's connection, back in spring of 2017, right. we saw an article in a picture that said the former president liked to wear crazy socks. And what do you say? I said, I, I want to send him a box of socks. John said, let's send him some socks. And that's what we did. And a little while later, we got a call from his office saying, the president loved those. Can we get more? So we sent more. And then he sent John socks. Um, and on World Down Syndrome Day in 2018, the former president tweeted out a picture of John, of, of wearing John's Down Syndrome superhero socks and thanking his friend John. Well, here's the really important connection. President Bush signed the Americans with Disabilities Act. That changed the world for millions of people. Without that, there would be no John's crazy socks. Without that, John would not have gotten the education he got. Because somebody did something. Our government got together and did that. Ted Kennedy worked with George Bush and made that happen. How wonderful. And today, they can't even talk to each other. But here's, you know. It's amazing what our government can do when they actually work together. Yeah. Uh, I'd, like, I'd like a solution. And maybe John knows what the solution is. How do we bring them back together? They're so divided right now. How do we bring them back together? Get people talk and find common ground. Let's start. I mean, part of it is, you know, I told you the way it was with Johnson. Now, if you're a member of Congress, chances are you're being elected from the extreme of your party. You get to Washington, you fly in on Tuesday morning, your day is booked, and you're only meeting with people that are echo chambers. Um, and then you fly out Thursday night. You echo meet, chamber. That is yeah. exactly the right phrase. And, and how do you get noticed? By being more outrageous than the next person. Too, too few are showing up to actually do something. Um, there's a freshman uh, congressman named Andrew Garbarino from Long Island that we've gotten to know, um, Republican. He voted in favor of the infrastructure bill. He was one of like 15 Republicans. And his thing was simple. This is, this is about paving roads. And we need this, my district needs this. He received death threats. They arrested somebody in Long Island who was making death threats to him. How crazy is that? It's really crazy. Let me tell you one of the reasons that we're so grateful to be on this show with you, right? So our mission is all about- I spray happiness. And what do you say the keys to happiness are? I gratitude and do for others. So you're a gratitude geek and you got a tribe of gratitude Greeks. And that drives so much of what we do. We're so fortunate to get to do what we do. So you mentioned the thank you cards. We do anything we can for our customers. 
and they put us here, right? And if you have that attitude, boy, it goes a long way. Let's talk about your business. I mean, we've talked about politics long enough. Let's talk about your business. So your business is based on five pillars. What are the five pillars of John's Crazy Socks? Um, it's print and hope, give it back, that product I, you can love, make, make it personal. And the fit that we have added is make it a great place to work. So let me kind of walk through that backwards. If our mission is spreading happiness, we have to start at home. Our colleagues have to be engaged and happy working here. How else are we going to make other people happy? Right? So it's offering them a mission worthy of their commitment, something greater than we're going to make money. And don't get me wrong. We all want to make money. Everybody knows why their job matters. There's no cog in the machinery. Everybody has a, an important role to play here. You put people in a position to succeed. Don't ask them to do what they can't do. We don't ask John to do our finances and give people what they need so they can do a good job. We just hired a web designer slash graphic artist slash video editor. I'm going to get her a computer. And she says, well, I know I'm going to use it if you give me. No, no, no. Tell us the specs. We're going to get you exactly what you want. Because we want you to succeed. Now, we don't have endless resources. but And then say thank you. Acknowledge what people do. Right? Recognize they care. Recognize when people are doing good work. And in the end, stay the hell out of the way. Let people do their jobs. Right? So that's the make it a great place to work. That is the worst thing that you can do is micromanage your employees. Right. Empower right. them to do what they need to do. It's so important. So in a company like yours, the most important person is the person who makes sure that the label on the box matches the order that the customer wanted. That is the most important job because that everybody is where everything. Everybody. Everybody knows it. And so we have this mission of spreading happiness. That infuses everything we do, every aspect of the business. And the only way that can happen is because every individual, you know, our, our entry-level position, we do our own fulfillment. Our entry-level position are the pickers in our pick-and-pack warehouse. What do we call our pickers? Sock wranglers. The sock wranglers. Every sock wrangler knows if we're going to spread happiness, they got to get those orders out. They got to make sure they're accurate, right? It's, it's the way we answer the phones. It's uh, or what others would call a, uh, a customer service rep. We call happiness creators. There's no script. We don't time their interactions with customers. They're people talking to people. Um, so you have to drive it through everybody here. And everybody contributes and has ideas. In your lead up, we, we talked about maybe discussing hiring people with differing abilities as a topic of conversation. But from what I'm hearing in this conversation, that isn't even a, an issue because everybody has a... a Everybody has an ability that they can do and everybody, you know, there's room for, for everyone at the table. 
and that's what I, I'm, I'm hearing. So yes. it's, it just seems like it's not even a, a topic that we need to, to even cover. However, let's cover it. What prevents most small businesses from hiring people with differing abilities? As we listen to them, it's fear and some ignorance because they don't know people. They don't know what it would be like. They're worried. Um, you know, even uh, we have a strategic partner now we work with. They manufacture socks. The concern, oh, we can't have them around equipment. Why not? Um, and you want to hire the best possible people for your business. It means it's got to be within your budget and your culture. And to do that, you have to have the broadest possible pool. If you are artificially excluding people, by definition, you can't have the best possible workers. Right? It's, I use a, an example out of American history, uh, out of baseball. It's 1947, and the Brooklyn Dodgers break the color barrier by signing Jackie Robinson. The next two teams to integrate were the Cleveland Indians and the then New York baseball giants. Guess what? They became the best teams in baseball. Now think about it. They were all individual businesses. And what they said was, up until today, we have artificially excluded employees because of the color of their skin. And we're no longer going to do that, which now meant they had a better pool of workers and they hired better workers than other businesses and they did better. Apply the same thing to working with people with different abilities. Much of what we do, we run a warehouse. Where we are on Long Island is a shortage of labor. People can't find enough workers. We have a surplus. We have more than we can handle. We're trying to grow so we can create more jobs. And they do a great job. We do same-day shipping. We do better shipping than Amazon. And that guy, Jeff Bezos, over at Amazon, he's not putting a thank you note and candy in his packages. We do, you know, we did our monthly management review yesterday. Once again in January, 100% on time deliveries every day. Our error rate of you know, wrong item or missing item or shipped to uh, an address where there was a problem, even if it was the post office that created the problem, less than 1%. In fact, it was 0.12%. And that's because of the quality of the people we have. Right? They show up, they're energetic, they want to be here. It creates a competitive advantage to us. And, and part of what we're doing, this comes back to the question of testifying before Congress. We want to show, not tell. We want to tell the, you know, share the story and let people see. And so we love it when businesses come to visit us. We get to speak to other businesses. Not, we don't lord it over them. It's just look what can happen. Uh, we just recorded our second TEDx talk. And the theme was hiring people with differing abilities is not altruism. It's good business. And we have examples from small businesses like ours, you know, 30 some odd employees, two and a half million in revenue, to a little company 
based in Redmond, Washington. You may have heard of them called Microsoft uh, and IBM and Ernst & Young and the advantages that they find when they hire people with different abilities. Um, people got, they have to be willing to just open their eyes and see. Well, and the ideas that people with different backgrounds and different abilities and different history bring to the table. I mean, some of the baseball would never be the same if they hadn't have, you know, it, it, you just, you bring different experiences to the table and it opens it up to a different audience because yes. all of a sudden, hey, I want to buy John's crazy socks because John, you know, that and that audience spreads and then other people find out about it. And then the next thing you know, there's another kid like John who's just graduating from high school and says, I want to be like John and I want to start my own business. And it just keeps oh, cascading from there. Here's a very cool thing that we're going to get to do this year. Again, we're so fortunate. We're creating a program called JCS Champions. What we want to do is put people with differing abilities into their own micro business. And we're going to do it by giving them a business in a box. So the people in that program, we're going to give a stand so they can go and sell things. We're going to give them inventory. We're going to give them the training and the marketing materials for a micro business. So they can go to a farmer's market or a craft fair or maybe somebody in town because we know there's this issue with benefits. They earn too much, they lose their benefits. But we're going to give them a business that they can own and run. We're going to start enrolling people in October. And our target is to create 1,000 businesses over five years. We want to light up the whole country so people see these beacons of opportunity um, showing what's possible. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they, have, uh, they want to do this, how do they apply? Well, we haven't set it up yet. Uh, right now, we're in a development stage. And, you know, some of that is listening and fine tuning what we're going to do, but we will open it for enrollment in October. So following John's crazy socks is probably a good first step then. Yeah. So Facebook, is that the place to find you? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere you want to follow, whatever is good for you, reach out in touch and we'll be there. Um, and, and of course, our website. What's our website, pal? At right. I have one more question, and then I'm going to give you the floor for your moment of gratitude. How in the world do you choose which socks go on the website? Everybody chooses. So John designed some. You picked some. I did. Everybody here picked some. Our customers help us pick them. Our suppliers suggest things. Uh, we have three rules of thumb. Everything we sell has to be fun. It's got to spread happiness. I, I had to get behind. And John has to endorse it. John's got to get behind it. I will give you kind of a negative example. A couple of years ago, a person who was doing so many ordering for us ordered socks that read, yo, bitch. Now, I can tell you, those socks will sell. And I can see how they're kind of fun. But John's not getting behind that. It's not who we are. John and I have no excuses. 
We can't blame it on the board. We can't blame it on the venture capitalist. We can't blame it on headquarters. It's us. We get to live in the world that we create and we get to make that choice. We were speaking a while back to a high school group and we got a very, what I think was a profound question. Who did you have to ask permission from to do this? Well, the answer of course is nobody. People were always waiting to think, oh, I can't do this or I have to ask permission. And we get to make choices. Uh, I mean, here's, here's an example. A, a while back, a woman had called up to place an order over the phone. So understand, we don't take phone orders. We only sell online. Unless, of course, you call us up and want to give us an order over the phone, we're going to help you. Right? And this particular woman, not only was the web a challenge for her, she didn't like credit cards. So she's not going to send you a check. We made a mistake. We didn't pull the order right away. We waited for the check to arrive. And when it did, one of the socks she ordered had sold out. So I'm hearing this and I asked my colleagues, we have a discussion. I say, how come we didn't just mail her the stuff right away? And the answer was, well, we had to wait for the check to get here. We had to make sure she was going to mail it. So let me ask you, Candace. If you told me you were going to send me a check, would you mail that check? You mail if that I check. say I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you, and I'm going to feel really guilty about it if I don't. And and this was a person, we're not talking some anonymous person at the website. This was a person who had a conversation. So I say, from now on, somebody says they're going to mail us a check. We just mail it out. And can we do that? We can do whatever the hell we want. And so, we, well, that's okay, but, you know, Andrew said, but we shouldn't do it if it's over $100. So why not? Wouldn't you do it? And why don't we live in a world where we're going to trust people? Now, if they violate that trust, John has two older brothers who were both very large, and, and they will show up at your door and do violence. But, but we're going to start with that trust. And I went back and looked. In five years, nobody has ever bounced a check. Right? So let's choose to live in that world. Let's choose to live in a world where we're going to take care of people and they're going to take care of us. Let's choose to live in a world where there's trust. Let's choose to live in a world where we get to engage. Isn't that a better place? And I'm not naive. It's just a choice. This has been the best conversation I've had in a very long time. Thank you. Thank you. So um, now's a chance for you to share your moment of gratitude for whom and what are you most grateful for? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful of my family. My, I'm, I'm so grateful of my family, uh, my colleagues, my colleagues here at John Crazy Socks. And uh, I'm so grateful that I don't wear my colleagues or 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 or, or, or a different different abilities and a different abilities and um so impossible. You're grateful for this, huh? And I'm so grateful for my friends and my and my and my partner. Your partner. <laughs> hey, Candice, we are so fortunate and grateful to be able to get to do what we do. Um, you know, 
listen, look at this. You invite us on your podcast and we get to tell some stories. We get to connect with other people. I remember the first time that someone called us up and asked us to come speak at an event out of town. They wanted us to come to Cleveland and speak at a fundraiser. I said, sure. And then the person who was the event organizer said, uh, so what are your speaking fees? And I paused and I said, speaking fees? Normally, I got to buy somebody a beer to get them to listen to me. <laughs> you know? It's, you know, we, to be able to be in a position to sit in Congress and, and speak to Congress or to go to the United Nations with other entrepreneurs and stand up and speak. Um, to address some of the audiences we have and meet some of the people we have. So how awesome. But I'll tell you, the best days are when we're really busy and this place is full of people and full of activity. There is nothing better in this world. Thanks for joining us this week for Gratitude Geek, the relationship marketing podcast, helping micropreneurs find your micro-influencer magic. Be sure to check the show notes at gratitudegeek.com, episode 108, for links to all the groovy resources mentioned today. And while you're there, subscribe to the show on Audible, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. Our theme music is Track 14 by Rev Rock and Soul Lily. I've been your host, Candice Rodardi. Join me on my mission to spread gratitude, sow seeds of appreciation, and harvest a bounty of generosity and kindness. Stay groovy, my friends. <laughs>